This is Dr. Mariah White, host of Your Life Matters. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Welcome back inside Caught Listening, the baseball show that goes beyond the white lines. Christian Allen here with you, broadcasting as we do every week, part of the Public House Media Network. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share it with your friends and family, however you get your podcasts on Google or Apple Play, Spreaker.com, Stitcher.com, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, publichousemedia.org. As always, every single week, you can be a part of the show. Just search Caught Listening by Public House Media on social media or email the show, Caught Listening PHM at gmail.com. Well, we kind of teased it last week, and we've been teasing it on social media, and you guys have responded. This is going to be part one of a four-part series regarding baseball's unwritten rules, one of those things that it seems every single year uh, gets more and more discussed and more and more hotly debated as to the relevancy and the importance of baseball's unwritten rules. And I have to be honest, I've looked up a couple of them even more so that I completely didn't even realize were rules in in, uh, in baseball. But we're happy to talk about it and to kick us off in the leadoff spot for these unwritten rules discussion is Anthony Castrovins of MLB.com and MLB Network. Anthony, we really do appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we can still talk about the unwritten rules, even though Fernando Tatis has just taken that rule book and kind of <laughs> set it aflame here in 2020. Well, it seems like every single year there is that one instance or that one play or whatever it might be that it yeah. just comes right back into it. And this was going to be one of those weird years where the unwritten rules were going to really be tested, Anthony, because you've been around this game you know, a long time, as have I, and we've seen it, um, but we've never gone into a year like we were going to in 2020 with the Houston Astros and how what they did to baseball and how that could impact the unwritten rules where do you think the majority of baseball fans stand when it comes to the unwritten rules? And I know there are a vast majority of them, but where do you think the majority of fans fall when they talk about it and they hear the words unwritten rules of baseball? Yeah, I mean, honestly, what I this is only what I see. This is not scientific, but uh, it, it certainly seems more toward the, you know, this is dumb, let's move forward. <laughs> the sports are supposed to be fun and, you know, it's supposed to have some personality and, it's almost you can't even compare baseball with with other major professional sports right now when it comes to this sort of thing and, and the ability to kind of you know demonstrate your personality on the field um, and just the way things are policed. Now there are always going to be things policed, and you just mentioned the Astros were, were obviously a major affront to uh, you, know, you know to other clubs. I mean, a lot of people took great offense to what the Astros did. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there there was a lot of science feeling going on in that environment anyway. But, uh, but you know, the way that all came out and the manner, the ugliness of, of that coming out was bound to spill over in this 2020 season, and it did. But um, but when it comes to things like, you know, the just players having flash and, and bat flips and, and that sort of thing, I mean, so many of the unwritten rules are uh, unwritten, or you could say written to protect the pitcher's ego, basically. And I just think we're seeing less tolerance for that as, as the sport evolves and as fanship evolves. Now, again, you're always going to have the hardliners, the old timers, mm-hmm. but I think, I think by and large, those people are, are kind of getting drowned out in the noise of, of the people who, who don't mind seeing a little flash and pretty and, and think that, you know, throwing at guys just because they, uh, you know, pin home run is, is pretty barbaric and stupid. 
Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of this obviously jumps in is the idea of throwing at a player. Um, for whatever reason, the idea of that's how you retaliate, especially in in a world of baseball now where you know there's the DH in the American League, there's likely going to be a universal DH, and so the pitcher can almost do it with no repercussion whatsoever. You can hurl a 96-mile-an-hour fastball at some guy's head, and they get in trouble if they come charging at you as opposed to the other way around, and there's no real repercussion for that, not to mention the fact that, let's say, for example, Joe Kelly throwing at a guy's head, He's only going to hurt a guy like Cody Bellinger or or Mookie Betts as opposed to himself. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, again, it goes back over a hundred years of of uh, you know that that's the way things are retaliated. That's the way things are so mm-hmm. quote unquote policed on the field. And you know, you can try to get out in front of it, and MLB did with regard to the Astros. I mean, every manager was spoken to during spring training <laughs> um, uh, about how that will not be tolerated. And we saw it with Joe Kelly's suspension and how lengthy it was. Uh, at the outset, um, you know, that, that's just part of the game this year is uh, is for them to be on the lookout for that sort of thing. But, um, it, again, it's, it's not going anywhere. I, I just think there's, you know, there's circumstance. I, I would never argue that it's merited, but there's certain certainly circumstances where I think it's more merited than others. And I, I think that, uh, you know, if something is done to where it is a true disrespect or, or something uh, uh, of, of the Astros' nature where, you know, they, they clearly wronged some other teams, you know, that's a little different than, as I said before, hot-dogging or uh, swinging at 3-0, et cetera. And that's the other part, too, that's kind of interesting about this, is there's almost two different sides to the unwritten rules. There are the ones that are on the field, like you mentioned, um, you know, showing up an opponent or basically to protect a pitcher's ego. But then I also think about it, and I go back the way, you know, and I kind of lump the Astros into it. It's kind of what you did to disrespect the game as opposed to disrespecting an opponent, whether it's the Astros with sign stealing, whether it was, um, you know, Pete Rose and gambling, whether it was uh, Jim Booten and his, and his book ball four, you know, it almost seems as there's two separate styles of unwritten rules and how guys can be blackballed or retaliated against. Yeah. You see, I mean, the clubhouse culture is is a big thing in baseball and, and, you know, there's still, there's people on the Astros who are upset that, you know, Mike Fires ratted them out, mm-hmm. and as opposed to looking inward and seeing right. what they did was wrong. Um, that's just the nature of baseball uh, and the nature of the clubhouse, for better or worse, and oftentimes worse. Um, the other thing about baseball that you find is guys have incredibly long memories. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, and they might not know what they had for breakfast last week, but they remember uh, what, what some guy did on the field um, or off the field, for that matter. You know, you know, ten years ago, uh, mm-hmm. some at bat. And they hold that grudge for a long time. So uh, I'm from Cleveland, so I think of uh, uh, there's the uh, 97 World Series. The Indians right. lost uh, to the Marlins in Game Seven, and Jose Mesa, uh, what was a you know a, a big factor in that loss. And uh, Omar Vizquel wrote wrote something uh, unflattering about Mesa in his book, and, and Mesa threw it. Omar Vizquel anytime <laughs> those two faced each other for the rest of their careers. So um, that, that's just kind of the nature of the game. Speak with Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com and MLB Network about baseball's unwritten rules. You actually uh, put a, a little bit of a piece up on MLB.com shortly after the Fernando Tatis swinging at a 3-0. And there were a couple things that you put on here, um, which is you know, a couple of them I think maybe surprised some people. So I wanted to see what it kind of surprised you or, or which of these may have surprised you when you first um, saw it was this idea that the two that really kind of jumped out to me were um, never rubbing the area where you were hit by a pitch 
and then also <laughs> not walking in front of a catcher when you're heading to the to the batter's box because I think the not walking in front of a catcher for me as long as I've been in baseball that's not something that I've actually like focused in on and looked at but I do notice it now that I've been brought up so which of these unwritten rules when you were looking at it and you were getting that piece ready for MLB.com kind of really surprised you yeah, and, and that's an evergreen piece that we can just tread out exactly. there anytime uh, the unwritten <laughs> rules come in the conversation. And that is all, yeah, at least, as you said, at least once a year, there, there's some kind of issue uh, where it becomes a national conversation. Um, but yeah, not, not I mean, you don't see that, right? I mean, unless a guy is legitimately like, you know, broke a bone, broke a hand or something, mm-hmm. it's, 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 you know, usually the, the modus operandi is to just shake it off and, and over to head over to first or, or stare down the pitcher, what have you. But like to actually show pain is, uh, is uh, against the macho code of baseball. Um, but, you know, walking in front of the catcher, that's just, you know, a, a sign of respect uh, to, to not walk in front of the catcher. And um, same thing with walking across the pitcher's mound, you know, as, as an opposing player. Uh, I, I equate it to, you know, walk, and, and this is more direct in golf, but I would equate it to not walking across another player's line yeah. uh, in golf. Now, you could actually, you know, mess with the grass and, and mess with their lie if, if you do that in golf where, right. where it's not so much with baseball but but still it is it is a, a courtesy a, and a sign of respect and, and and people will tell you i mean people who are in you know in favor of these unwritten rules will, will tell you that it, it's all about showing respect but it just gets a little silly where it goes from the line of of just general courtesy like that to you're you're not trying you know you're not trying on the field you're not trying to score runs you're not swinging on certain pitches etc that's where it gets a little wonky for me yeah, I was always amazed by that part because this is one of those things, that, and it's it feels like it's always baseball that gets attacked with that because, you know, yes, we've had instances where guys are dunking up 40 or whatever it is in basketball, or you're still yeah. throwing up 21 in football, whatever it might be, and we used to see it a lot more in college back when it was the true BCS system, and, and actually margin of victory did account for something in terms of college football rankings, but it feels as though right. baseball gets singled out in terms of this you know, don't show up your opponent, don't score too much, when realistically, isn't that the job of the other team to stop them from scoring? And clearly they couldn't do that? Yeah, it, I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it because, I mean, we, we've seen, and, and granted, I mean, certain comeback you get to a certain level and, and comebacks are extremely rare. But, yeah. I mean, we've seen teams come back. And You're Indians. Is, you, no we've seen ever, it happen. No one's ever, yeah, we said the 2001 Indians against the Mariners is, is a famous comeback. Um you know they were they were down 12 runs at the seventh inning stretch for crying out loud, mm-hmm. and then they come back to win the game. So uh, the Mariners probably you know all these years later wish they had run up the score had they been <laughs> able. Um, but it's just no one's ever been able to again because these are unwritten. It's supposed to be by feel, and no one's ever been able to say you know it's X if you're up by X runs and in X inning, you know you stop swinging, you stop trying. It doesn't make any sense because nobody knows. Uh, we've seen bullpen shoot bullpens last year had one of the you know historically worst ERAs in history. Yeah. Uh, did relievers in 2019. So uh, you never quit out of it, especially in this environment right now, where where you know the ball has been so lively in recent years, mm-hmm. home run rates have been so high. Um, you know that there's danger in, in taking your foot off the gas. I'm interested. And we're talking with Anthony Castrovince here of MLB.com and MLB Network. I'm interested to get your personal take as you've covered this game and watched it evolve with these players and what has been maybe that driving force that has led to whatever the feel is amongst baseball players, you know, cause it seems as though this started a, a, a couple years ago with the Jose Bautista bat flip heard around the world. And mm-hmm. it just feels as though the dynamic has changed 
And I'm wondering if there's a certain reason for that or, or what you have seen in covering the game that has seen this transition and this change in terms of how players interpret these unwritten rules. Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, the game's gotten younger. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's skewed younger in terms of the impact. I mean, we, we've had some really young stars come up and play like they've been there their whole lives. You know, the, the Ronald Acuna Juniors of the world, the Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, just to name a few in recent years, Mike Trout, of course, you know, has set the world aflame from the minute he stepped on the big league stage. Um, and, you know, by and large, those, those younger guys, I mean, Trout, Trout's a little by the book, but yeah. <laughs> by and large, those younger guys play with a, a passion and a flair. And, and you know, that, that should be celebrated, you know, that should be marketed. And MLB, that's the other thing is MLB has marketed it. You know, they did the let the play, kids play and, and they've, right. they've gotten behind that idea that, you know, the, this, this old school stuff is, is, is old and tired. And it's, it's interesting too, because I don't know where it came from, where certain things uh, kind of got policed out of the game. I'm talking about bat flips and stuff. I mean, right. you can go find videos of Mickey Mantle flipping his bat. Uh, <laughs> again, to bring up another Indians example, those nineties Indians teams, they flip right. their bats like crazy. So, um, you know, and there, there's all kinds of stuff from the, you know, from the sixties, seventies. So I don't know where it all of a sudden became, you know, disrespectful and, and this huge issue. Um, but it is interesting how, how things evolve over time. And, and, yeah, certainly in recent years, the Bautista one was a big moment. And that was such a great moment in, in Canada for, mm-hmm. you know, for Toronto, for that, that franchise. It's such an indelible moment. And it's it's just silly that anybody would mar it, um, you know, making it a, the big issue it became. And uh, I, I think really, again, I, I, I just and this is only my perception, but I just feel like in recent years we've, we've seen more eye rolls not about the bat flips, but about the people who are making a fuss about the bat flips. I feel like those people are uh, really outnumbered at this stage of the game. You, you bring up another interesting point here because it feels as though, almost, and, and I'm just thinking about this, when we talk about Batista, we talk about Tatis, or even in, in your piece on MLB.com, a look at uh, baseball's unwritten rules, um, you actually included right at the top is the uh, Carlos Gomez for the Milwaukee Brewers um, and when he just absolutely hammered a pitch uh, against the Braves, if I remember correctly, a few years back, and it, it almost feels like there's subsections to these unwritten rules too, like we talked about, you know, up by a X a number of runs, an X inning, whatever it is, but also Jose Bautista's, I felt like, was so much more warranted because of the situation it was in. It was a playoff game. It was It was hotly contested. I can't remember for the life of me where Carlos Gomez's home run was, but that was like first inning home run. You know, like it, it almost feels like there's, like you said earlier, a feel for the game as opposed to to that. So that like there's certain subsections of rules. Yeah, there's certainly that. I've seen uh, I've seen teams getting blown out, and a guy on on the team getting blown out hits the hit the home run. Right. And, it. and yeah, that's that's not great feel for the game by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> Um, and it's supposed to be a, a collective, you know, you, you go down with the ship, but, um, yeah, I mean, Bautista's was, was obviously, in, you know, such a tense game. That, that's mm-hmm. such a crazy game that, and, and we all had the opportunity to go back and watch it, uh, right. you know, during this pandemic when there's no live <laughs> sports, but that's certainly one of the ones I went back and watched. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know why anybody would, would find fault with that in the moment. And I, I think the, the counter to some of the unwritten rules is, is just, make a better pitch, you know? Yeah. 100%. Your 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 feathers ruffled because you should have made a better pitch in that situation. That that's ultimately what what it comes down to. It's funny cuz the Tatis thing um you know a, a couple of weeks back it was it was a big deal. They were up uh I think seven runs at the time mm-hmm. and uh and he and he swung on the 3-0 pitch and he hit the uh hit the grand slam and I was out of curiosity I was 
I checked to see if anybody else had done that this year. I, I think I set it at six up six runs or more and uh, a three zero pitch. And only right. one other guy had swung. It was Kyle Farmer of the Reds had grounded out uh, on a three zero pitch up six. And I don't remember any fuss about that. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle Farmer <laughs> grounding out. How could he swing at that? Um, maybe Reds fans, but but certainly not the opposition. So it all came down to. I mean, he hammered Tatis hammered a hittable pitch in, in 3-0, and he hit it hit it out. So make a better pitch. That's what it boils down to. The other part too, like, and this is just so strange when you look back at like, because it always uh, the biggest ones revolve around the home run, whether it be you know admiring it, uh, bat flipping, the wrong situation, what a quote unquote wrong situation, whatever it is. But the part that comes to this for me is always. What does everybody almost instinctively do? They look at the next star that's coming up to the plate. For example, for Tatis, it was Manny Machado, um, that, that he's the one getting thrown at. And then when Machado gets thrown at, you look over at um, the Rangers and you wonder who's going to get thrown at there. It's usually like we're going after stars. We never go after you know the kid coming off the bench or the kid making his, you know, he's, he's got a cup of coffee in the majors and that's about it. Right, and that's you know to get back to what I was saying. I mean, that, that's that's the difference between Kyle Farmer swinging at three zero right. and Fernando Tatis <laughs> Jr. swinging at three zero. And you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's the Latin guys that that get that kind of attention, and, yeah. and it's not warranted. And I'm I'm thinking back to was it last year or the year before? I can't remember if it was his rookie year or last year, but Ronald Acuna Jr. Mm-hmm. was getting thrown at by the Marlins, literally for no reason, just right. be, for being there, you know, just because he was good, and mm-hmm. it was crazy. Um, so. You know, you, you see that sometimes, and I, I hate to see it uh, because again, I think these guys should be celebrated. These these are great young stars in the game. So, you know, star power is always uh, where uh, the retaliation goes. To your point, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and that's always going to be the case. But uh, but you know, it, there's there's not a, a great sense of equality sometimes where um, you know player X uh, feels disrespected and he's. Mm-hmm you know, the seventh reliever, and then, uh, you know, the star gets hit with a pitch. It doesn't seem right. Right, yeah, and, and you know, I, again, I, I just kind of go back to it where, like, the emotions and, and the situation all played in because it, in you talk about, you, you mentioned it earlier, the Let the Kids Play campaign and bringing individuality and personality into baseball from a marketing side of things has really helped change the tide in here. I go back to, I, I grew up a Red Sox fan, so I go back to Mookie Betts. He had a 13-pitch at-bat against the Phillies a couple of years ago, hits a grand slam, and he's literally trotting backwards, screaming at the dugout, about the emotion of that at bat and what that all means and stuff like that. So it's just really interesting to see who um, and how, I guess, these unwritten rules, quote-unquote, are enforced more than anything else. Um, so it's it's very strange, very interesting, and um, one of those things that obviously is going to get discussed every single year uh, in, in Major League Baseball. Um, we're talking with Anthony Castrovins here, MajorLeagueBaseball.com and MLB Network. Uh, as always, we like to get our fans involved and our listeners and let them ask a couple of questions. And, and this is one of those ones, Anthony, that has certainly brought out uh, some some people's emotions uh, with regards to it. Um, and some interesting, funny ones, too. Uh, Joe in New York is asking, Babe Ruth calling his shot, Should is that the first breaking <laughs> of the unwritten rules of baseball? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, did it happen? We have right. no idea. We all hope. You know, that's, that's one we certainly hope happens, but we have absolutely no idea if it actually did happen. Um, and if it happened today, uh, that would be a, certainly a, you know, a, a talking point on many a, a podcast and, and, you know, television show for, for the next week at least. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, <laughs> uh, again, I, I do think there, there is an evolution here to where, 
that that probably wasn't as big of a deal in, in 19, uh, 1932 uh, yeah. as it would be today, um, which is interesting. But, um, but yeah, first got to prove to me that it happened and then we can <laughs> talk about whether it was uh, against the rules. You, and, and it's just, again, back to those old old school guys and, and whatnot. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Eric um, asking about the, the dynamic, the, the shift in dynamic again from you know the old guard, quote-unquote, to the new guard. Is there a point in time where you see that? We kind of touched on this, but is there a point in time where there is that kind of generational divide over thoughts about um, you know the, the unwritten rules? It certainly feels like, um, you know, it's commonplace. It's cliche to say in the last 10 years or so, but I would say it's certainly within that time frame um, to where, and and maybe social media has contributed to this to where, um, you know, these, these, these plays, these epic moments, the Bautista type moments um, get blown up on social media as a positive, you know, not as a negative for the sport. I mean, there are things that drive eyeballs. There are things that drive interest. There are things that drive attention. And those are all things that, you know, all sports need. It's a very competitive entertainment environment. And, uh, so it, it's a good thing. And, uh, so I, I think that's probably contributed to it quite frankly and, and driving the discussion, um, you know, more towards a, a new way of thinking than, than the old guard. I mean, there, there's so many, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to, if, if we had had Twitter, you know, I'm thinking back just even my time as a beat writer and some of the things I've heard in clubhouses that, um, if they were heard today, uh, yeah. in, in terms of reaction to things and people would say, well, why that's stupid because you just, it would have a wider audience, you know, uh, so I think that's a huge part of it, to be honest. Steven is asking here, do you ever think that these unwritten rules will become written so we can ever actually understand them as baseball fans? <laughs> well, you know, as, as you hinted, you know, we had that, that article on MLB.com. There's actually yeah. a book called The Baseball Code that was really good, um, you know, in the last five or six years or so that, that came out. And uh, so they are written. They are written somewhere. But, uh, you know, but, but again, the, the problem is that the, the precision of them, you know, I mean, rules have to be precise. They have mm-hmm. to be written by lawyers, essentially, um, because there's you can get a lot of gray area and a lot of wiggle, mm-hmm. wiggle room otherwise. And that's why I say where, you know, how many runs must you be up before you cannot swing a 3-0 uh, or steal a base? And, you know, what inning does it have to be? We need precision here. And the unwritten rules just do not provide that precision. And that's that's why they're unwritten, because they know the powers that be when it comes to the unwritten rules. They know in their heart of hearts that these are stupid. And if we put them in writing, <laughs> they wouldn't look so good. So that's I think that's what it comes down to. So that brings us to the last question, then, that, that uh, we're, we're going to go with here for this episode. Uh, Shane is asking, are the unwritten rules good or bad for the game of baseball? Well, they're bad, you know, but in some ways, though, they're good because I do appreciate the conversation. I, it, mm-hmm. It's weird because, um, you know, again, I mean, entertainment being what it is, um, our, our culture being what it is, the way people consume sports being what it is. I mean, people, for whatever reason, uh, still haven't figured this out, but people love to watch people arguing about things on television, right? <laughs> and uh, this is, is one way where baseball constantly creates argument on television. Baseball is a sport that doesn't lend itself to our culture in a lot of ways. They play it every day. You know, it's a sport of failure. Mm-hmm. All those things, all those things you hear. You know, you fail seven out of time, seven out of ten times, you can still go to the Hall of Fame, that sort of thing. It doesn't lend itself to the reactionary, you know, argumentative style of, of journalism or what have you that, that so many people love to consume. Right. Um, but this is one way where it feeds into that uh, that monster. So it, it's a bad thing that that somehow turns out to be a good thing because it gets again it, it creates dialogue about baseball that may not have otherwise been there. 
I think what we can all agree on more than anything else is that guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. and their obliteration uh, of of these rules is definitely it's great content, but it's also really fun baseball to watch as well. Absolutely, no doubt about that. He's Anthony Castrovince, MLB.com and MLB Network. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Castrovince. Um, we've been retweeting some of his stuff, and we appreciate his time here. Anthony, thanks so much, and uh, enjoy the rest of what has been a weird season, but certainly an entertaining <laughs> one for us. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate you having me, and uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of the Unwritten Rules conversation. All right, that's Anthony Castrovince, uh, MLB.com and MLB Network. Part one of our four-part series about baseball's unwritten rules is now in the books. Uh, a guy who, who's covered the game and he's seen it shift a little bit, we're going to transition. The next three parts are going to be about people on the field, with people on the field. We're going to talk to a manager, we're going to talk to a pitcher, and we're going to talk to a hitter about these unwritten rules. If you have questions that you want answered from any of them, don't know who they're going to be just yet, but that's what we're shooting for. If you have questions about any of that stuff, by all means, find us on social media, Caught Listening by Public House Media, or you can email the show, caughtlisteningphm at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends and family on Spreaker.com, Stitcher.com, Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, publichousemedia.org. Until next time, part two of our four-part series on baseball's unwritten rules, I'm Christian Heimel, and you have been Caught Listening. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.